0: You are listening to Ayahuasca Talks, and I am your host, Rebecca Hayden. For those of you who are interested in self-discovery and healing through hypnosis, please email me at rebecca.hayden at gmail.com to book a free consultation. Welcome to another edition of Ayahuasca Talks. Today, I have Mike Mazzoli with me. Uh, Mike Mazzoli is a PhD, he was a research microbiologist at the University of Arizona and co-founder of Borderlands Brewing Company, a craft brewery in Tucson, Arizona. In November of 2020, he moved to Costa Rica and he's now the academic director for online programs at Maximo Nivel, a language and culture school with campuses in Costa Rica and Guatemala. Welcome, Mike.
1: Thank you. So it's a pleasure to be here.
0: So we had a great pre-discussion uh, that brought up a lot of themes from your ayahuasca journey and how they played out afterwards and gave you some opportunities to exercise some of the advice that you were giving, some of the messages, some of the wisdom that was shared with you during your journeys. and. I'd like you to give a little bit of background so the audience kind of understands where it's coming from about habits or some behaviors that you developed as you were growing to kind of protect you in certain ways and then how that played out in your life and how ayahuasca uh, helped you respond to things a little differently
1: yeah for sure so um kind of some background i would say that I am sort of a very social, outgoing person. And part of the skill set that I developed growing up was to, what might be the word, cultivate feelings of happiness and simpatico for all the people around me. Um, you know, and that has some very positive benefits. You know, it makes you, it allows you to be friends with a, a wide variety of different people. Um, you sort of put out this positive energy, but on the negative side of things, it also sort of makes you feel responsible for everyone else's happiness. And it wasn't really something that I realized was a problem. In fact, um, I found it to be very beneficial to sort of have that modality going on. But eventually I think you just hit a wall. And as my background that you uh, went over at the top of the podcast kind of shows, like I was doing a lot. I was a research microbiologist in a laboratory working full time. I was also the, um, you know, boss of my own company. And so just working way too much and trying to create a sense of safety with this modality that I had learned growing up. And, you know, I think more and more just culturally speaking, and even on an interpersonal level, the United States is sort of becoming more and more focused on hyper individualism and and things like that. So that modality really doesn't work in, that, in under those circumstances.
0: You had mentioned being a people pleaser. Um, is that something that, I mean, there were all kinds of positive aspects of it, but I think we understand now, and I know it's a label and it's, it you know, certainly comes through differently with different people. But did you feel like that is something that describes uh, where you were at before you did ayahuasca?
1: Oh, definitely. Like I always, I think one of the major insights I got from ayahuasca is that I was being far too understanding and too sort of capitulating and, and putting myself in other people's shoes and seeing their perspective but i wasn't receiving that courtesy or that you know generosity from many many other people and i realized finally this was one of the hardest lessons i had to learn was that i don't have to participate in those one sided relationships anymore and you know it's taken me a long time to sort of realize that i need to pull back my energy and focus on myself because I have been, had been so outwardly focused that I basically just drained myself of all energy and to the point where I almost died by suicide two years ago. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it took a crisis basically and ayahuasca together to make me realize that I can't do that anymore.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm so glad we're having this conversation today because Uh, There has been a lot of discussion in our kind of circles, uh, people who are working with medicines and discovering mindfulness and exploring themes such as self-love and others interpreting it as being selfish. And this is certainly not the case. I've had some similar issues that, that came up through the medicine too. And of course, it's always unique to each person, but I had to do similar things to kind of step back and take a look at, at relationships and see what kind of beliefs were at play there on my end, you know, and, um, and it was a big discovery for me and uh, you know, Catholic background, a lot of guilt, <laughs> this, yeah, and
1: this and you want to be, same.
0: yeah, right. You, you too. I think we discussed that too. And,
1: yeah. you know,
0: You have to undo so many beliefs to do that, to make that transition work, because we certainly would not wanna act in a way that we feel is cruel or unkind to other people, but there has to be this fundamental understanding that if we're not working from the position of love for ourselves, This is not going to be a healthy relationship no matter which way you slice it. It's not. And it doesn't really benefit other people who are also displaying behaviors that are unbalanced, you know, because so it's not really serving them at all to participate in those things. In fact, when you pull away, it gives them an opportunity to observe as well and to reflect if they choose to, right? Some people may not, but it's the opportunities there. And it's not our business to decide for them what they should do, but it certainly does present that option, right?
1: Yeah, and I think like going back to this idea of like being too understanding, like I remember I would be researching people's trauma and understanding the patterns of behavior that form from those traumas. And it wasn't until I decided no more participating in these toxic relationships i've explained my perspective on the situation and that this relationship is still continuing and you're right it wasn't until i said no more that sometimes the other person got a wake-up call from that and was able to finally see on their side of the toxic relationship and make a change and That has been super interesting to experience for me.
0: Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, I resonate with so much of what you're saying. I'd go in deeply to this, uh, to other people's issues and what was causing it. I mean, in the end, I I really discovered that what what I was experiencing there were a lot of things. You know, as we know, these are layered situations, right? But one of them happened to be that this is the kind of work i was meant to do but not for each person that i had a relationship with so fully and completely and lose myself completely in the process really it was demonstrating i had a keen interest in this and then i had some other really harmful beliefs about my own worth and my and what purpose i was serving in all of these situations and relationships and born out of trying to make peace in my family at a very young age yeah. and trying to figure everyone else out so that I could make peace and, and explain, you know, one person's position to another and be that ultimate peacemaker. Glue. And, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think there's some really good qualities there, but I had to get rid of all the beliefs around myself and, and you know, what I was doing, why I was doing it, all those things. And yeah, in the end, there has to be someone appreciating that and also them doing their own work.
1: Right. And I think once you have that insight, at least for me, what came from that insight is actually a ton of grief. Because... You begin to realize that many of the relationships that you felt were your core relationships were actually not reciprocal relationships and that realization you know it's kind of like the burning away of so many relationships that you felt were foundational Mm -hmm. um you know and that comes with a lot of grief to reap that realization but it's also Required. It's almost like cauterizing a bleeding wound, right? Because you're pouring all this energy into relationships that are not reciprocal. Um, and it's got to stop at some point. And grief comes with that process
0: hmm. Oh, yeah. And it's necessary. It's um, it's a purge, yeah. really. Um, it can't and I think, be
1: avoided. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's not healthy to hold that in. Like so many people, yeah. so many of us talk about how many tears we've shed since then. But for me, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate, even though there was pain involved, there was also relief. It was like getting rid of something we've been carrying around for just oh, so yeah. Too long.
1: Yeah. Just letting go. You know, and one of the major insights that I had, and this goes back to those being a people pleaser too, it's like I was able to have this really helpful insight for me is the difference between letting go and um, forgiveness is that forgiveness is actually a two-way interaction. And it requires the person to be forgiven, to ask for forgiveness, and to account or just acknowledge the harm that they have done, and or at least be willing to discuss it. And in the absence of that, it all you have is letting go, which is sort of grieving the end of that relationship and then putting distance between you and them so that you can protect yourself from further harm. Um, yes. And I never understood that before because I didn't have any boundaries and I didn't understand that. And I have been able to do a ton of letting go and setting boundaries, which is super uncomfortable to do, especially at the beginning as a people pleaser. But it took me months to sort of stick to my guns about that. And I'm super thankful that I did because I started to see changes in myself and changes in others as well as a result of that
0: yeah i mean i want to mention something about forgiveness because this is how you needed to interpret it and understand it so that you could do the process that was healthy for you because these were live relationships that you were still engaging in and the letting go was, okay, that person can't reciprocate in terms of this forgiveness and create a new healthy relationship, so I'm letting go of it, right?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Because forgiveness can take place without that person participating, but it's more of, as you say, a letting go, but the reason why forgiveness is a good theme is because to fully let go, you have to get let go of all the feelings that you're hanging on to about what that person yeah. did and what it meant and all of those stories. You have to be willing yeah. to to let that go and to see them as human and not the monster that you created in your mind to help you cope with all of the feelings that you had around whatever took place right and that is that there has to be a loving element to it right there always is really
1: definitely and i think it's not necessarily like a harsh thing i mean i think in some ways it can be viewed as that but it's more like you know like i said the first the first order of business is to protect yourself The second order of business, as you mentioned, is to let go of all those feelings. And I would say now I don't really have, I I saw this great meme or something that was like, now I nothing you, which is to say I don't have any feelings towards you, negative or positive. And I still feel like the door is open for some of those relationships. If someone were to come forward and say, hey, let's talk about this, i could do that you know but
0: mm-hmm. sure
1: yeah but you're right it's it's kind of without the without the conversation it's a sort of one-sided thing where it's a process of grieving yeah. um and letting go of those feelings um and you, in order to recover from trauma you have to feel your feelings and that's part sure. of that process i think
0: and there's a stage uh, to it i find like uh because of the beliefs we're so used to for so long that initially it does feel like that kind of, um, okay, I'm protecting myself, um, I'm creating a boundary, all that. And then you work through your own feelings about it and you come to a peaceful place about it and eventually you, you get softer feelings about it because it's not this. Yeah. Um, this kind of brutal task that initially art feels like because of these old beliefs, right? You feel like, okay, i got to shut the door now and and deal with myself. And then eventually, just like the stages of grief, you know, you come to a place where you're at peace with all of it. You know, there's-
1: Acceptance. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Yeah, totally. And you can even see that person's, you know, lovely qualities- And you can even have wistful memories of, you know, the good parts of, of the things that you shared together. And that's a really healthy place, but it just, it takes time all depending on, you know, what the nature of that relationship was and everything that took place. And, you know, we just have to have patience and every single stage of that process is valuable.
1: Definitely. And, you know, I did a lot of research about grief, obviously, because I needed to learn how, especially as a a man, as a male-identifying person in North American culture, like, that is not something we're allowed to do. We're not allowed to have feelings. We're not allowed to cry. You know, the only feeling that you can is socially acceptable to feel is anger, which is such a secondary emotion, you know, that comes from all other kinds of negative emotions. And so really understanding that process of grieving was huge and I think what really gave me some insight too is um, there's actually been a newly identified stage of grief called finding meaning, which is creating meaning from whatever relationship or person that maybe passed away, whatever the grief is coming from, is finding the meaning that uh, came from that relationship. You know, and I think that's it's like the next step past acceptance is
0: mm-hmm.
1: is part of moving forward.
0: Yeah, I think that's what I was describing about you come to a place where you can appreciate that relationship for what it was and the good things about it. And yeah, I think that's what I was uh, yeah. describing there. Um, you brought up you know, how masculinity is seen. And I think that there are many people growing up in all kinds of countries, um, including the States where you know, their their childhood and their family culture has something to do with how they view masculinity. Um, so right. I'm sure that people are growing up in all kinds of ways, but there's certainly themes. Like, I think that um, many of us have been discovering that within both males and females, that we've been in a very unhealthy way skewed towards male attributes. Like, you'll see all these um, popular feminist-like, seeming feminist-like, depending on what you think, what how you define that word, um, films about strong females. And, yeah. you know, all they're doing is displaying all these masculine traits. It's like, hey, yeah, you can be a woman and, and, you know, and really completely lean into all your, you know, male side of things and and so the female side of all of us has been utterly suppressed and regarded as weak and through this medicine work we're discovering wow we absolutely have to bring this back we have to bring balance back to our societies so that we can live healthier lives because this is a very important part of us that knows how to you know work through these feelings that knows how to relate with others in healthy ways that knows how to be understanding and you know, can be balanced with the male side of things um, in in a beautiful, beautiful way, like a symbiotic way that it was always intended in terms of nature. We see how that works, you know, we know it's a beautiful thing, but we've imposed so many ideas on it and suppressed things to the point where we have to find our way back to that in order to really, you know, fully enjoy that healthy balance.
1: Yeah, so interesting, and and if and if you look at it through the context of you know the gender assignments that we put on plant medicines, you know, and and ayahuasca being a feminine energy, you know, abuela ayahuasca, I definitely felt that, especially during my first experience, and that energy being able to put myself in touch with that side of my of my. Personhood, you know, because we yeah. all have, we all have both. um And I find it so interesting that there's these energies feminine and masculine are assigned to the plant medicines. You know, masculine or peyote being assigned a uh, masculine energy. And I am interested in in trying those plant medicines as well because I feel like I've I've been with ayahuasca many times, and I think that I've come to know everything that she has to teach me for now, but I, it'd be nice to also be able to be, get that same kind of insight from a more masculine perspective as well.
0: Sure. Um, and just to let you know, there are cultures that experience ayahuasca as as masculine. And same with iboga, there's feminine and masculine. And, and you know, as for us, when we don't have a tradition and a set idea of what it should be, even though there is an seemingly an overwhelming feminine experience for many of us that may be and I'm purely guessing here and speculating but it may be to help us rebalance because it's yeah. been missing in our lives and in our cultures for far too long and yeah and so yeah but it's very flexible
1: <laughs> yeah and I think you can put other kinds of dualities on top of it besides just feminine and masculine like dark versus light. I think a lot of people's experience is are, I would, would say that they did a lot of their dark work with ayahuasca, um, whatever that, or shadow work, whatever that means to people. For me, it meant really processing an enormous amount of pent-up negative emotions, particularly like deep sorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and what i hear from other friends that have done um you know peyote and mescaline say that it's more light focused but i think your point is is cor- correct you know it's really about achieving balance within oneself mm-hmm. that's the yeah. key point
0: and people will be out of balance in different ways because we're all unique and we all have unique yeah. backgrounds so it's beautiful it's it is so customized yeah. and. That is another thing that I think we can take away from this, that I emphasize over and over again, that if we start to really appreciate everybody's individuality and, and respect that, and, you know, and I feel like in this way, we, we can start to let go of labels and just yeah. start to accept us as all very interesting and unique individuals and, all, and you know, the respect that that, that we've developed for ourselves with for everybody else. And I think once that happens, it'll be much easier. We won't have to organize and complicate things with this person's of this and that person's of that. It's like, we're all people, yeah. we're all very unique. And you know, there are many layers because <laughs> we know this about ourselves. So yeah. let's just have respect in that way. And then there won't be this, these against those and all of this stuff that seems to be emerging. And, I feel like it's emerging because we're ready to see that. We're ready to go, okay, it's getting to the point where we got to find another way, a deeper way to connect with one another. And speaking of, of labels, I know that initially when we start to do this work of turning on its face something that has been such a big part of our lives, like that deep empathy with others to the point where, I mean, it sounds lovely <laughs> and it can mm-hmm. be, but it's also like extremely unbalanced at times and a sign of illness. Like it wasn't me, you know, it was, it was like, I think you resonated with it was um, a mechanism to keep things. It was my way of trying to um, make peace. Yeah, creating yeah a peace.
1: peace. Yeah. yeah, that's another and great
0: way to put it, yeah. Yeah, in my family, that's what it was about, is making peace and trying to help people understand each other by me doing that full time for everybody else and anticipating mm. their needs and all of these things. So at the beginning, when you have to turn something like that on its face, the idea of boundaries is, is almost like creating a container wherein you yeah. can do your own work without allowing those influences that you would normally you know, not only welcome, but really indulge in uh, that. Feel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it yeah. comes to a place just like the grief and everything else where you have enough understanding and healing within yourself, where there doesn't need to be boundaries because you simply won't go, like there's there's no need. You won't go to those places. You won't be participating. So there's really no need to have the, this idea of a harsh boundary. There's instead, there's understanding, healing and a better life, a better lifestyle, a better way of being with people that yeah,
1: you know, doesn't make yeah. those
0: other things, right? At all. <laughs> no need and I
1: think I mean, I think for me, especially, especially growing up Catholic, as you mentioned, and injustices that are happening in the United States surrounding immigration, and those are things that I felt the need to get involved with, including with the church. And helping these people who are just trying to run for their lives in many cases and i just saw that the situation was getting worse and i I don't know if you had this experience where like for me this idea of boundaries um, was so difficult because i had this sort of people pleasing modality for at least that i was consciously aware of 10 years but putting that energy out into the world it was also coming back to me and then suddenly it just stopped. It's almost like this cultural shift happened where that reciprocity for the energy I was putting out wasn't coming back to me. And I had a lot of coping mechanisms in terms of mindfulness and things like that. But I went through a period of like five years where I would just kept putting energy out. And then I think you mentioned this idea of leaning in. (laughs) And so my instinct was, okay, well, if I'm not getting reciprocity back, I need to try harder. <laughs>
0: so. Yeah, I want you to. Uh, I want you to share that story about how integration involves us being put in situations that allow us to play out those lessons to really learn them in a. Real time uh, way, and it's not easy, right? We're being presented with here's another opportunity to demonstrate your old behavior and to change it, and it's, yeah. it's it can be so sticky. <laughs> but I, w- I would love for you to share that one where you were doing this great work in in Costa Rica, right?
1: So right. So I arrived in Costa Rica, um, and I was very very thankful because I had friends from Arizona who are actually living in this rural village and in. in Costa Rica that was actually a former refugee camp from the 80s. And so that's one of the main reasons I chose to move there is because it has refugees that have been living there for years and years. And it's obviously somewhere that respected human rights. And I needed that kind of certainty and safety surrounding (laughs) the respect for other humans living around me that was absent in the United States. And And I arrived there and I realized very quickly that there was this kind of one-sided relationship. So just to give you a little background, it was actually created in Europe in the 60s, a counterculture um, organization that owns parcels of land throughout Europe and then this one in Costa Rica. And they sort of operate by creating agricultural products and selling them to the outside community and sort of Becoming self-sufficient in that way, but nobody owns property mm-hmm. um, on their land. They're just given like a place to live, and they tend in Costa Rica they grow coffee and sugarcane. But in Europe, it's obviously a much wealthier place, and that modality works there. In Costa Rica, it doesn't, and so they've sort of adopted this um, way of making ends meet by bringing um, mostly European young people that come and live it's like rural tourism they come and live in the houses and learn about the lifestyle learn spanish learn about the community but then they go and so there's all these different projects that these young volunteers help with but when i arrived it was you know right after the pandemic that tourism had dried up and there were some projects that i tried to get involved when with, but all of them (laughs) were basically failing. And so again, I found myself in this position where I'm putting energy into something that is falling apart. I am still sort of involved with the Rios Vivos movement, which is the living rivers movement because much of the water in the rivers there is being used to grow pineapple and it leaves very little water in the rivers for the communities. Mm, Um,
0: okay. That's interesting. Yeah. So these were inspiring, you know, on their on their face, they were inspiring projects, and you were attracted to that and to the whole nature of the concept um, yeah. that drew you to it. And then tell us what happened, what how you were able to play out your your lessons through that experience. Yeah.
1: Well, I think first of all. It it was sort of two sided. On the one hand, it was the exact right place I needed to be for a while in a very small community where I didn't have to manage a bunch of relationships, right? That's Mm -hmm. important for drawing your energy back in. Um, And I'm still, you know, I still have some strong relationships from that time there. Um, But then also relearning the lesson under much lower stakes (laughs) that. I cannot put my energy into things that don't give back either to the community or to me and recognize when those projects or or things that I'm getting involved with don't work anymore and that I need to stop Mm -hmm. putting energy Mm -hmm. into it. So um, I was there for about 10 months and actually I I was able to like finally decide that it was time for me to move on from that community after another ayahuasca experience which left me with a really good feeling in terms of the people some many of the people in that community but also like that it was time to move on and that it was okay to move on.
0: That's great. Yeah. yeah. And that You're coming to the point where you're going, okay, this is actually a theme and I have to move on and and really understand this better, right? Yeah. Yeah. So did you get more opportunities like that? (laughs) Like maybe smaller ones?
1: (laughs) Yeah, so it's definitely something that has been like a muscle (laughs) that I've been flexing. Um, So after that, I moved to Tilaran, which is like in the north of the country, I was living in the south, and I was going to ceremony in Tilaran. So I was able to go to ceremony several times, it was nice to have that proximity and develop a relationship with my ayahuasca facilitators. Um, They're a family and some of the other people that go to ceremony frequently, but then You know, I was unemployed still and there was no opportunities there because it's a small town. And so then I was able to move on from that as well and realize that that wasn't the place for me anymore. And I got my teaching English as a foreign language certificate in a beach town in Costa Rica and met some like good friends from that. It was like a four week intensive program. And you know, that camaraderie that comes with being in school with other people, especially in an intense program. Mm -hmm. That was really, really refreshing and nice to experience again. And then I moved to Liberia to start teaching English, and it wasn't the right place for me. And I recognized it almost immediately and decided to make a a move to San Jose. And it was definitely the right move. Where, Where I am now, you know, I'm really I'm making a lot more money. I feel comfortable where I'm living. I I have a dog and I'm living in an apartment next to a house of my landlords and they love my dog and take care of my dog when I'm at school. So it's been really a good move for me.
0: Yeah, I remember when we were discussing this before, it's like there's a shift that takes place and instead of being so concerned and involved with everybody else's needs you start to realize that you have some that are really fundamental that you need to take yeah. care of and you start yeah. to enjoy that process of wow you know what this is what it feels like when i'm really caring for myself and for my own needs and 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 dealing with that and enjoying that process
1: yeah and you know and then you can, because you really can't take care of any of anybody else until you take care of yourself right
0: yeah yeah, absolutely. In fact, you know, just again, there is this, there's a different energy to it, and there's a an imbalance that we experience. And even though on, on the face of it, it looks lovely, it's, it's all a matter of the dynamics that are going on beneath that surface. And we no. have been a culture, and I'll generalize here, but you know, in, in North America and many other countries too, where we've been about the surface and it's what lies beneath that surface that we really need to start to acknowledge because we're feeling it. There is a reality to it that we've been feeling. That's why we're, there's so many of us have been so unhealthy, you know, um, the emotional wellness of a society is just starting to be recognized and not even nearly understood as well as we need to, you know, so that's the work that we're doing now. Yeah
1: yeah well and it's that's what i wanted to bring up too is you you introduce this idea of like everyone is unique and they have their own path that they need to discover but there's Mm -hmm. also these patterns right and one of these patterns that struck me was i um this quote and i think i gosh i can't remember his name i think it's krishna something but it's like it is no uh it is no measure of help to be well adapted to an extremely ill society <laughs> right? yes that and was so, one of my
0: favorite quotes for a long long yeah. time yeah that's Chris, christian Mur- Murti.
1: yes and and we have to recognize these patterns in order for societies to change like it's extremely important that we follow our own path towards healing but we also need to recognize the patterns of toxic modalities that need to change on an ecosystem level, on a on a social level, on so many different, on a political level, on so many different levels. Um, it's important that we recognize these patterns if anything yeah. is going to change.
0: Yeah, and it 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 does take some upheaval for that recognition to happen, just like it does with our individual journeys. And yeah. I just wanted to add something like this place that you went and the experience you had was very customized for you. Another person who has entirely different background and issues may have a completely fulfilling relationship there and satisfy something in them oh, that yeah. they needed. You know what I mean? So we regard oh, those good, people there. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, like good, bad, this and that. We put all these labels. Yeah. But there's something else going on completely where everybody's having their own customized experience and you know, mm-hmm. it may not be pleasant or it may be like, you know, some person said, Oh, I went to that place, had a horrible time. Oh, I went to that place and had a fabulous time. It's like, okay, there just it's it's the individual, that's all. And it's not a blame yeah. thing. It's not, oh, you were bad because you didn't have a good time. It's like you had to play out the things that were happening in your own journey and other people, you know, in theirs, right? And And, it's not always easy.
1: (laughs) Right. Well, and I still, I do appreciate this people-pleasing perspective that you get of others where you can understand where they're coming from, I think, more than other folks. And so you can see that. You can see why people... Um, enjoyed a certain place or didn't you know and you can see how what they need is playing out Um, but now I don't feel the need to get too involved in other people's journeys if I if I don't feel called to do that anymore.
0: Sure yeah and it can be an immense strength for sure it just has to be it has to be you know acknowledged and experienced in a healthy way and you know yeah. we're all learning these things together i wanted to uh, also mention that for those of us who've been in any way activists and i don't mean you know uh, bombs or you know <laughs> yeah. um, riots or anything like that but any kind of uh, really burning desire to for change in certain areas of society like with you it seemed you gravitated towards Refugees. For me, there was many issues of you know women being raped and things like that. These were part of my background. Like the, there was a reason I was drawn to these situations, and all the themes involved actually had something to do with my own past that I was trying to correct, that I was trying to address. But not within myself. I wanted to do it in the outside world, and mm-hmm. there's such appeal to it, right? Everybody, oh, you're a good, you're a do-gooder, right? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> But again, like no matter what you do, this stuff inside that's still lingering and needs to be healed will be running the show the whole time until you stop and start to really address that. And then the changes that you bring to the world are gonna be coming from a much healthier place. And the way yeah. you go about it is gonna be healthier and more respectful and yeah.
1: Yeah, one of my good friends who actually took me on my first ayahuasca ceremony Gave me this perspective, which is something called grasping, which I which I think is like a a rock climbing terminology where if you lose your grip and you start falling, you just start grasping for anything you can hold on to on this rock face, right? Um and that's how I felt at the, how my involvement in in society's ills was happening, which I was just trying to hold everything together. I was just trying to grasp to see if anything would hold and and it wasn't Mm -hmm. Um, and so that kind of insight is valuable because what is the point right of grasping and grasping if everything is falling apart you just need to remove yourself from that situation or you're going to continue to fall
0: yeah, and there's an energy to grasping that I think many of us are aware of or becoming aware of now, even when it comes to, you it's know, financial situations. Right? Yeah. Yes, there's this energy that people will, that instinctively, you know, yeah. it won't be it's responded to well. Yeah. yeah, or the people who do respond to it are going to be opportunists, you know, so there's yeah. always like an action-reaction kind of thing going on. We we have an energetic relationship with everything we experience in this world. And that energy is going to not get you good places ever at the grasping, right? Oh
1: my God, it's so funny you bring that up because I feel like I was operating that modality in so many ways. And I met so many desperate people in so many tough situations. And it was almost like they were magnetically drawn to me. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) And one of my friends said I needed to experience that because I needed to understand how people were suffering on an intellectual level. And I think that's true because I also needed to understand how I was suffering um, through seeing it in others. Because it's so often difficult to see how you yourself are suffering until you can recognize it in someone
0: else. Yeah, and it's mirrored back to us for a reason so that we can see it so clearly then. You know, we can go, oh, okay, I I actually recognize this now. And yeah. it's see, this is part of the you know ecosystem of humanity. We really do experience these things for a reason. It's helping us, even though it doesn't feel like it at the time. It's an opportunity for us. You know, it's hinting at this growth awesome. that's coming. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. And it takes many things to bring us to that point where we're ready. Yeah. You know, um, I wanted to bring up one more thing that that came up during our discussion and. I know that both you and I, and, and I'm sure so many other people in different ways have had this, have come by a natural desire to, you know, to, to make the world a better place, to, to help people. And now that we've been healing, we can go about this in a much better way. And one of the things that you came across and you felt was a really valuable thing, me too. Um, is uh, is really recognizing when we're going about these things in, in unhealthy ways, like consensus building agenda, like when it's like, okay, our goal is for to make everybody agree. Instead of going about it, uh, understanding where people are coming from, creating safe places where people can, you know share, what's really going on with them so that they won't be judged and try to, you know, herded like cattle into to a place where we want them to go. But instead yeah. really, you know, here and and then I think you mentioned us coming to a place that we hadn't even considered, right? And when we do right. that when we do that, then we're actually moving in, in a whole different direction, which is beautiful, right? The game changer. like Just like medicine, you know, we go in thinking, I got this problem and I want to solve it, you know, in whatever way I need to. And then you really learn that, okay, it's not even about that. It's about you changing you, you know? And so if we approach these bigger um, issues in those same ways, it's like, let's understand this. Let's just start to forget about the agenda, forget about, you know, and just understand each other. Let's start there.
1: and I think this going back to setting boundaries with regards to what you're talking about, you know, creating safe spaces and and census building, like it's also important to recognize when people are not um doing that in good faith. And recognizing when they're where they're actually not ready or incapable of of, of doing that because that's something I assumed everyone <laughs> would want to do. And that's not the case. And um I did a podcast about this book around, you know, creating consensus called Crucial Conversations. And there's also like certain professions, like lawyers, for example, they're trained to argue one perspective without changing it until the end of the until the end of the case and therefore they're unable in some ways to hear other perspectives because it's it goes against their entire professional training
0: sure unless they're unless they're come to that point where they're ready to heal and do things differently but yeah I mean I think the whole consensus building when I heard that word I or that phrase rather I had to really start to understand what's going on there right like um, that's assuming that, like, it's like intentionally trampling trampling over everybody else's position until they come to the same one that you want them to come to, and this is yeah. very unhealthy. You know, yeah. <laughs> like that's yeah. not a real conversation. That's manipulation, really.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And as you said, you know, um, I think that you can recognize when things are positioned in a certain way oh we all want to come together for this great purpose and then you feel what's really going on under the surface right we talked about that Mm -hmm. and and you know I think these medicines are helping us trust a very sophisticated inner guidance system that we do have we all have it we hear it again and again I knew something was wrong I could feel it you know and you can't necessarily go and do the scientific testing on this you have to trust that we do well, actually know we do inside you know and sure i'm sure there can be tests but ultimately you're yeah 100
1: right yeah
0: yeah i mean, I mean there, there can be if you want to but why clutter your life with oh i've got to go to another person to confirm that this is genuine instead of going what am i feeling right now i better trust this because i've learned right
1: well, and going back to this like, like idea of professional training, you know, I spent 20 years training to be a scientist where you learn to disprove your intuition. You can't use intuition in science. And so, in a way, I had to kill my own intuition in order to become a good scientist. But there are places where you can apply the scientific method Um, and then there are moments where you have to make a a gut decision, usually with urgency where that's not, you know, trusting, not trusting your instincts is not going to serve you. You need to be able to trust your intuition in so many different ways in life in order to navigate it, right? So.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think we're starting to get there. And I think that there's, there are many interpretations of that. But I think this is us coming into our own. This is us growing into the kind of community where we can take responsibility for ourselves and we can you know be guided by these more fundamental ways rather than these surface things that have been set up for for various different reasons there's there's agendas going on with the outside influences when it's when there are yeah. big you know uh, institutions involved it takes us so far away from ourselves and we have wow. grown into a society that is when it comes to, you know, self-care and all of these things, we farm out so much of it to these larger entities that don't have that component. They don't have that emotional, that's been removed. All of that stuff is and respect for it. And any mention of it has been removed. And so we're at this place where I think the medicines and, and many other things in this world now are are surfacing to allow us to get back to the place where it's like, wait a minute, we do have inside of us all that we need to really solve the problems we have in this world and in our lives. You know, let's start there and see, w- you know, what we can build from that understanding.
1: Definitely, and I think like moving forward for me, but I also think for everyone is learning to integrate these different ways of knowing the world whether it be scientific or intuitive and learning to know when we should apply those what, those ways of knowledge and under what situations you know and it's an integration right like that's yes what is so important moving forward for individuals and us as a species
0: yeah Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, respecting that it's going to be different for different people and for reasons we won't understand, you know, and that's okay. It's really okay because Mm -hmm. I think we've learned you and I particularly that going through life being all about other people's issues and drilling into that instead of really understanding yourself is just leading us astray, you know, and harming so much. So yeah. we we learn what we need for ourselves and gravitate toward the opportunities that will will serve there. And I think that we'd all do quite well and all learn to accept that not everybody's gonna do the same thing at the same time for the same reasons. <laughs> that is healthy.
1: And it's interesting because I'm sure there are people out there that would almost have the opposite experience where they were very self-focused and, and had experiences that needed them to realize they need to be more outwardly focused, right?
0: absolutely. Sure. This has happened. Um, at the very beginning of my journey with integration, you know, I'd, I'd want to have these conversations and this is before I even really started the radio show that has become this podcast. And, um, and people go, yeah, you know, I think people really need to step back and, um, you know, not not be, you know, always up front and all the rest of it. This was a, a friend that got these messages. And I said, well, I've actually got the complete opposite. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. For me, yeah. I need to step up and be heard and all these things. So for that person, you know, and their background and their experience, that's what they needed. They needed to do the opposite of what I yeah. was being really urged to do, to be healthy in me. And so we're all gonna have these different paths and it's really fine, you know? And that's why we can't go about this in the way we would traditionally in other kinds of situations. Like we all need to do this. We all need and to do that. This is what it's we're It's why used we to. have
1: to talk about it and share our experiences so that others can and see that reflected, you know? Yes. And Right?
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah, because this is how we start to understand it. You know, yep. this is our way of starting to really explore what's what's the meaning of all of this. And, and it, it gives us gifts so we can actually see things differently now and start to respect. There's a lot going on there that I may never understand in that person. And I have to step back and let them follow what they do and really just focus on where I'm going, why, and all the rest will come naturally if I do that. And you'll be able to have relationships where you are able to use all of your lovely gifts in healthy ways, because you're now doing it from a very different position, me too, and everybody else, even if their situations are completely reversed to ours, they're still coming to that same healthy place, right? Just going about it differently. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So... Now we've come to the end of uh, the podcast. I just wanted to—I wondered if you wanted to share any information. If anybody wants to, you know, get in touch, um, any projects that you uh, would like to share with people, or any information as to how people can reach you.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, If someone wants to reach me, they can um, email me. Um, my name is, or my email is Michael.Malazzi, M-A-L-L-O-Z-Z-I, at gmail.com. Um, and uh, if you're interested in coming to Costa Rica, Guatemala, or Peru for um, an intercultural or language experience, uh, you can go to maximoniebel.com and see the programs that we offer.
0: Wonderful. Okay, and there was a river project as well that you're still involved with, right?
1: Yeah, that's called Rios Vivos, Living Rivers. Um, And they have um, different groups operating in, in communities throughout Latin America.
0: Wonderful. Okay, thank you so much for taking the time to have this chat today, Mike.
1: Thank you. It was a pleasure to speak to
0: you. All right, take care. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Ayahuasca Talks. Please visit rebeccahayden.com for more ayahuasca integration content and for information about working with me and using hypnosis as an empowering integration tool.